0: Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you are listening to Season 2, Episode 15, Meet the Deedles. Let's jump into that now. So Meet the Deedles, an adventure comedy that was released in 1998 and directed by Steve Boyum. The film stars a very young Paul Walker as Phil Deedle. Uh, he is alongside Steve Van Warmer as Stu Deedle two surfer brothers from Hawaii who find themselves on a misadventure in Yellowstone National Park now after talking about all the Fast and the Furious movies I realized that the first Paul Walker movie I ever saw was in fact meet the Deedles and funnily enough just like Fast and the Furious meet the Deedles was actually one of my older brother's favorite movies he's two years older than me and so there's a lot of of trickle-down favorites happening if you will and over the years these movies have also become my favorites as well plus it's a hilarious disney movie though it didn't hurt to have my brother playing this every time he got a chance to pick the movie now i was no better i would alternate between hercules and terminator 2 which is one of the countless movies that i mentioned that is r-rated almost everywhere in the world yet is inexplicably rated pg-13 in quebec and i've I've said it before one of the best parts of growing up in the late 90s and early 2000s was that lack of uh, parental controls or a awareness of these devices so when i got my hands on that vhs for t2 i popped that bad boy in and let some awesomeness wash over me but i digress this episode is not about terminator 2 uh that episode is in the making it will definitely be another two-part episode though so uh, i'm putting a lot of effort into that one and it's on uh, it's it's in the fire got coal in the fire um but uh th- i mean there's a lot to unpack there as a lifelong terminator fan and just how many not that great movies there are i mean plus like all the whole time travel thing and I'm, I'm getting distracted again okay focus meet the deedles this movie is actually just amazing it's awesome and it's it's still pretty funny to watch 25 years later which is absolutely amazing when i think about it uh now with a little added uh adult perception of sorrow and emotional grief over the unfortunate passing of paul walker um, which is really amazing to think about, uh, and it's it's quite sad to to reminisce about that. So um, I, instead of reminiscing on that, what I want to mention is parasocial relationships. I've I've touched on this a bit actually in previous episodes, but for anyone unfamiliar with the word or the phenomenon, um, here at the Nerd Review, we don't assume everyone knows everything. And as I like to say, you can't know what you don't know. So a quick a quick a, a quick, <laughs> a quick rundown of the word. Uh, Parasocial is derived from the Greek roots para, meaning beside or beyond and social relating to obviously interactions between individuals or groups. And the term was coined by two psychologists, uh, Donald Horton and Richard Wall in 1956. Um, So together they explored the effects of early television on individuals and how the medium created a sense of intimacy between the viewers and the television personalities they watched regularly. They observed that viewers developed uh, feelings of emotional closeness to these media figures, considering them almost as friends or acquaintances. The relationship was described as parasocial because it was beside or beyond the traditional social interactions that may occur face-to-face in standard relationships. Uh, And since then, the, the concept of parasocial relationships has been widely studied and discussed in many fields of media psychology, communication studies, sociology, and of course ever since the rise of social media and various digital platforms, this has just further amplified the occurrence of parasocial relationships as individuals can now interact with media figures more directly through the likes and comments and shares and this blurs the lines even more and as the the psychology and the science world and medicine understands parasocial relationships even more it's shed light on the ways that media can shape human emotion and behavior and social connections um it has sparked many a conversation about the potential Implications of such relationships, including the impact on mental health, identity formation, and the boundaries between public figures and their fans, um, as these unique relationships can be incredibly impactful and play a significant role on the lives of, fran- of fans around the world. And uh, I mean, these such such a powerful high to experience too. I know, I know this from experience. I had a tweet. Um, I had twittered. I had tweeted or an X uh, if we want to go by today's standards now. According to Elon, it's an X. Um, So I posted an X um, and it was liked. By a favor of a favorite a famous actor. And in hindsight, it was probably their PR firm or agent or whoever handles um, that, you know, like their Twitter account for them. And maybe it was them who just hit that like button on my mention. But like, holy crap, it buoyed my spirits. And I sure as shit told every nerd friend that I had. And each one of them was in awe of this blessing I had been bestowed. I had acknowledgement from the higher beings the, the celebrity and I mean it's just it was one of the crazy aspects of parasocial relationships the fact that individuals can feel so deeply connected to someone they have never met in person or had a conversation with uh, just through sheer media exposure whether it be movies, TV shows, social media or other platforms these the fans and, and, and true fans not true fans but devoted fans develop emotional bonds with their favorite stars or characters characters and they may feel like they know these personal these these persons intimately um, despite like I said any lack of like direct contact or personal interaction um, to the point where when someone dies someone we never met we collectively grief we grieve that that loss and we watch their movies we look at their pictures you know people cry over this loss mourning our parasocial relationship knowing we will never see Paul Walker in another movie an interview or laugh at one of his jokes you know I remember uh, my dad telling me a story of when the news broke about Elvis passing away that my grandmother cried for two days and just listens to his records on repeat which is just it's something crazy to think about uh, that you can be so profoundly impacted by somebody you never met And on the flip side, uh, one of the amazing aspects of parasocial relationship is their potential to bring joy and comfort and inspiration to people's lives. For many fans, myself included, element that some of my celebrity fans you know favorites or fictional characters can serve as like role models you know providing a source of motivation and empowerment in times of difficulty or loneliness the presence of a parasocial relationship can offer solace and a sense of belonging in the face of lacking any close personal relationships and I know I can say for myself that at times when I was at my lowest and my loneliest that my favorite shows and characters Characters got me through those days sitting with the gang at Central Perk or vanquishing demons with the Charmed Ones, attending Yale with Rory, blowing up the Death Star with Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie, or hunting demons with Sam and Dean. These connections can be particularly vital for individuals who may be facing challenges in their personal lives or are seeking an escape from daily struggles. Whatever it may be, parasocial relationships can provide an avenue for emotional expression and a way to explore different aspects of our identity through identification with our favorite figures. Um, It reminds me of a really good song by AJR uh, called Netflix Trip. And one of the last verses of the song um, is just super it's perfect for this kind of um this this kind of conversation and what i what i have like the 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 root message of what i'm saying here and uh, the last few lines uh go i have a quote here it says now the fine the finale's done and i'm alone i'm on a netflix trip here on my phone but who i am is in these episodes so don't you tell me that it's just a show uh, and it's it's sh- it's so true. Growing up with TV being uh, a latchkey kid of the early 2000s, uh, TV was my friend, my mentor, which sounds way worse than it was. It was great. And over the years, I've realized that different shows mark different times of my life. It's exactly what I was saying in the Fast and the Furious episode. But on on such a bigger scale with an even bigger impact, for example, uh, Smallville and Supernatural, um, just, just two of the most like hugest shows that I can think of Smallville started in 2001, when I was in the first grade, and it was on the air for 10 years, it ended the year I graduated high school, and it perfectly encapsulates my years at school. Uh, where Supernatural started towards the end of elementary school in late 2005 and would be on the air for a jaw-dropping 15 years 15 seasons ending in 2020 I started watching the show when I was 11 years old about to start uh, the last year of elementary school about to start high school and I finished it a year into my technical support career like it it, it, if if my affinity for plaid isn't rooted in my canadian blood it's uh, a you know it may stem from the combined 25 years worth of media consumption of cool main characters wearing almost exclusively plaid shirts they made jokes about it towards the end of supernatural uh and like do you own a plaid factory actually you know what i'm, I'm saying i think that's actually a joke from gilmore girls if i'm not mistaken that was a joke that michelle made to luke in one of the later seasons of Gilmore girls which is again reinforces that i watched male figures on tv wearing lots of plaid and so like obviously i would have an affinity for plaid myself and i mean all that is to say uh, a huge tangent as as i approach 30 years old more than ever before i am realizing the profound impact and influence that our favorite movies and tv shows really have on us Uh, even all those years ago As a wide-eyed kid sitting next to my big brother watching VHS tapes, they were imprinting on us more than I could ever understand back then. And now, uh, it's almost uh, painful to press play knowing that I'll be greeted by that young, super handsome young face of Paul Walker, like watching an old home movie after the passing of a loved one. Uh, the grief plucks that cord of our hearts as these parasocial relationships for better or worse have a huge impact on us as fans. Uh, now let's take a deep breath, compose ourselves after a super long tangent into some deep thoughts and emotions, uh, grab our wetsuits and surfboards and plunge headlong and headfirst into Meet the Deedles as we go back to the movie. Okay, so now that we got all of that heavy stuff out of the way around Paul Walker and all that th- stuff that I was thinking about over all watching all of those Fast and the Furious movies, countless Fast and the Furious movies, and then going back and watching this movie. Uh, I just had all of these these thoughts going around my head and I was, you know, looking up movies and doing research and I, I came across the whole parasocial relationship while looking up uh, Paul Walker and that's where that whole tangent just came from now let's focus on the movie Meet the Deedles. The idea for Meet the Deedles originated from a script. Uh, obviously, that's how most movies originate by Jim Herzfeld and Tim Hill. The, the film was produced by Walt Disney Pictures and it was pitched as a comedy adventure that would appeal to younger audiences, featuring a mix of humor, fla- uh, flapstick, slapstick, and uh, family friendly entertainment. The lead roles, obviously, the Deedle brothers, uh, went to Paul Walker and Steve Van and warmer. Uh, both actors embraced their roles with such enthusiasm bringing the laid back charm and comedic timing that suited the characters perfectly the chemistry between Walker and Van Warmer is like evident in the very first scene of the movie now filming took place in various locations with Yellowstone National Park itself serving as the primary backdrop for the majority of the scenes other locations included Hawaii and Southern California where the surfing sequences were shot uh, uh, the production team faced uh, challenges of capturing all inspiring beauty of Yellowstone while incorporating comedy adventure elements, uh, which was something written on the uh, trivia page of the IMDb for the uh, Beat the Deedles movie. Now, the plot of the movie, which I quickly summarized in the last episode on a different random tangent is the following Phil and Stu have just been expelled from school for failing, skipping, etc. And their dad decides to send them to a wilderness camp in Wyoming. Uh, except when Phil and Stu arrive in Wyoming, they meet uh, Major Flower, played by M.C. Ganey. He's uh, Hank from Club Dread. He's a great actor. Uh, though, a uh, smaller role here, as he's only in the beginning and sets the needle on their path. Uh, he's lost his wilderness camp. There's no more camp uh, breaking broken heart or something like that. Broken hope. Uh, and he's just like angry at the lawyers and you know like you hurt one kid or something like that or you lose one kid And, uh, so he drives his truck directly off the road while he's yelling at the deedles and, uh, in one of the very few CGI scenes in this movie, which is good because on their budget and in 1998, the CGI is atrocious, uh, as the truck plows down the hill and through the, uh, through some unfortunate hikers campsite, uh, like uh, takes their clothesline with them, goes through their tent uh the truck finally hits a rock and we get this like cgi scene as the deedles and major flower uh fly out of the roof of the truck and land in a stream and it's so bad like they aren't even part of the background uh like they look pasted onto it in like a lower resolution now when they leave the truck and it's just like (laughs) it's it's the lowest the the earnest low budget attempts at decent cgi um that has uh like just aged so badly like it looks so much worse now than. it It then. Um, Major Flower was pretty funny. He was a decent character, he was decently written. He doesn't see uh the Deedles get out of the stream, he sees their belongings float by and he goes, like, oh no, I killed them. Not again. The lawyers, you can't fry me if you can't find me. And he just runs off into the woods and starts his new life as like an off-the-grid fugitive. Like, that was that was very funny. Now, after this near-death experience, uh the Deedle brothers decided the best course of action was to use this uh, high-tech luggage bar thing that they have because they're rich people from Hawaii uh, in their late teens early 20s from what I can understand Uh, or they were just turning 18 yeah it was their 18th birthday party no I was mistaken yes they the movie starts their 18th birthday party and that's why they were ditching school Uh, and they they also have packed away um, these super skateboards which appear to be skateboards with engines on them Um, some sort of like uh, adrenaline sport extreme sport concoction from the late 90s Uh, and they have like engines trapped to them and like little controller things and they hop on uh, that and they hope it leads to the airport Uh, and I guess like before cell phones and GPS after a car accident in 1998 this was the best option just pick a direction and walk you're in the middle of nowhere so like that sounds absolutely terrible Uh, but thankfully this is a Disney movie and instead of heading to the airport uh, they uh, the Deedles managed to uh, g- keep uh, their, their belongings after the crash, and like I said, it's a Disney movie. And though not all their, their clothes are dry, um, they managed to have uh, the clothes that the remember I mentioned the, the truck snagged a clothing line. I, I was I was I mentioned that for a reason because they, those are the clothes that they're wearing, uh, and it's the clothes of these hikers from the woods. Um, those unfortunate hikers, Mel and Mo, who they have a storyline. They're not just random hikers uh, and uh, they had just been accepted as park rangers and all of this at this point sounds super random but it makes sense so they're 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 riding their super skateboards um they're not going towards the airport they're wearing uh, other people's clothes and they, <laughs> they they stole from these hikers uh but it all comes back truly so uh Phil and Stu actually find themselves heading straight For yellowstone national park where the whole movie takes place where all those backdrops are shot um and they're heading right towards the entrance on those motorized skateboards um which uh they actually got to ride um like they're not just props and it wasn't stunt doubles they were a real extreme sport like i said motorized skateboards and there's this cool short the behind the scene video uh, about the movie that I watched you can find it on YouTube uh, Meet the Needles making of uh, and I think it was like a Disney Channel extra and they were doing an interviews with uh, Paul Walker and Steve Van Warmer uh, talking about you know getting to learn how to surf and how to ride these skateboards uh, and they even brought their own, uh, you know, handheld camera, circa 1998, and they were recording themselves practicing, doing all the various sports. Um, they had to learn some basic rock climbing and rappelling, and they generally seemed to be having a blast while doing it. They were young. They were in California, Hawaii, Yellowstone National Park, doing all of these cool extreme sports, and you know, going to getting to ride down these closed highways and doing all these cool stunts and stuff. So it was it was pretty cool getting getting to watch that and knowing that they were able to have all that fun and i hope uh steve van warmer still has that uh, tape of you know him and and paul walker hanging out and getting to record all that because that'd be pretty cool to have a a nice keepsake and uh, so okay they they arrive at yellowstone and they crash on their little motorized skateboards right into a sign and like i said they just so happen to be wearing the clothes of mel and mo who just so happen to be expect accepted as ranger cadets And on their applications Apparently they didn't include gender Another amazing coincidence Um also something that didn't click for me upon my most like it only clicked upon my most recent watching it hadn't clicked previously is that Mel and Mo the actual Mel and Mo the hikers are absolutely a lesbian couple they were getting into a hot spring while camping alone in the forest uh, if that truck hadn't crashed through their one single tent they would have been getting up to a little something something in the woods uh in that tent I mean late 90s Disney was a lot more edgy and took way more risks than they do these days that scene would have been removed uh and boycotted from the Chinese Release and the cause of some sort of stupid backlash on the interwebs and we all know that is 100% true Um, so uh, right so after a series of fortunate coincidences uh, Phil and Stu who quickly dispel the names Mel and Mo as being nicknames uh, which again wouldn't the ranger applications have included full first and last names but uh, nitpicking right so now they are pretending to be these park rangers as Stu points out that instead of going home as failures again they could do the cadet training and go home certified park rangers and he says if mel and mo show up they can claim amnesia from their accident and say they really thought they were mel and mo which when being accused of identity theft and impersonating someone to become a law enforcement officer probably a good defense when you think about it now while Stu thinks it's a good chance to make good for their dad phil Paul Walker is more inclined to get to know Lieutenant Jesse played by AJ Langer, uh, who also happens to be the stepdaughter of captain Pine. Uh, yikes, better watch out, Phil. Uh, so uh, as the deedles begin their cadet training, uh, which includes 5am hikes and rappelling down cliffs to conduct safety and uh, rescue missions. Uh, they are tasked with a special assignment of solving the parks growing prairie dog problem as they start, Uh, wreaking havoc on the park and the guests, which will not go over well at the upcoming old faithful celebration as the geyser celebrates its billionth birthday Uh, old faithful apparently is a geyser that actually exists in yellowstone national park and this is a random but there is an entry on imdb page on for the movie under goofs uh, trivia goofs that nitpicks at the fact that it's called the billionth birthday and points out that the volcanic eruption that formed yellowstone only happened six hundred and thirty thousand years ago and this is another case of someone not watching the movie captain pine the main uh, ranger played by john ashton literally says that the billionth was thought up by the pr people just because it sounds better for advertising and i've said it before if you're going to criticize a movie or nitpick like like i'm doing right now is nitpicking just a moment ago um but something not being accurate like if you're got someone your nitpicking is at least pay attention to the movie We may we may nitpick like the best of them here at the nerd review but but at the very least, I will be accurate in my nitpicking. Right now, they are given their prairie dog assignment, and Stu uses the internet and some declassified CIA documents to attempt to gas the prairie dogs and give them diarrhea, which will hopefully make them not want to return to this area. Uh, which is probably one of the best jokes in the movie because Phil, uh, Paul Walker, takes the CIA documents from Stu and reads the title, uh, Operation Gastro Castro. And as Phil said, it's hard to run a country when you've got the runs and like kids movies were a br- like a complete other breed uh, in the 90s getting away with jokes like this uh, and now so obviously this kind backfires and pd the prairie dog ends up running across a highway and stops a bus full of old people who run off holding their buns uh, and that is like just top shelf comedy when you're eight years old and like of course a bunch of kids are gonna like that poop jokes are always funny for kids uh, it's a universal thing uh, but let's move on pun intended now the antagonist for the movies are dennis hopper and freaking robert england disney managed to get freddy krueger in this movie and they have him as a bumbling henchman i don't know what kind of blackmail they had on him but it must have been good uh that or his paycheck was a large portion of the budget so uh <laughs> so dennis hopper amazing thespian loved him in speed and funnily enough, in Meet the Deedles, he's playing Frank Slater, a disgruntled ex-park ranger who wants to humiliate his replacement, Captain Pine, and the superintendent that had him fired that uh, because of an incident that left himself and other park goers injured when he tried to make a new geyser. Um, and now he wants to get revenge, and while also getting rich in the process, which is an amusing parody of his character from Speed, and that's like, that character just can be used verbatim for his character Howard Payne in Speed which is something I only realized again during my most recent viewing of Meet the Deedles because a few weeks prior I had watched Speed and made the connection I'm like oh shit that's Dennis that Hopper and wait wait a take that's the same exact character and that's like the fun element that happens a lot in kid movies like parodies and references to adult movies because parents all over the world will be subjected to these movies aimed primarily at kids with slapstick comedy and fart jokes and absolutely this just adds like another layer of appreciation for this childhood classic of mine there are a lot of tangents in this episode let's uh quickly move through the plot and get to the budget and the box office and the critical the critical reception shall we uh so dennis hopper slater he has a plan and it's one part prairie dogs turning uh into his own digging crew using a giblet injector which is this like comical power ranger style weapon with a big drill like spinning fake drill bit at the top that's supposed to like inject like liquid kibble that makes all the prairie dogs go crazy and dig wherever he wants them which allows him to direct the prairie dogs digging and part two is building an underground network of pipes to divert old faithful's water flow that's the geyser to uh part of deserted land this plot that he has just purchased and now he plans to charge the public to come see his new geyser that's that's his plan so that's how he wants to get rich and then that the billionth uh, ceremony for the geyser when all those tourists come to yellowstone national park the geyser won't erupt and it'll humiliate everybody who's come down and the superintendent and captain pine and all the park goers will be upset and they didn't get to see the geyser erupt and all that which is very convoluted plan and I don't know why you would use prairie dogs or a giblet injector but these are the things that happen in a kids movie. So now before the Deedles can become heroes, uh, they have to obviously face their last obstacle and become zeros. We're rhyming now Uh, Mel and Mo who've managed to find their way to the park after the truck destroyed the camp and so there is this one other small subplot line where when the Deedles were on their their power skateboards at the beginning of the movie. They were weaving in and out of traffic, and they almost get creamed by a circus truck transporting a bunch of animals that get loose an elephant, a bear, and a lion all three of which make some pretty funny cameos throughout the movie but the lion ends up finding Mel and Mo and further destroyed their camp and had them hiding up a tree for a while Uh, and that's what's waylaid them the most Uh, now the bear and the elephant are just doing their own thing in the background in a few scenes and like no one else notices it Uh, in one scene Paul Walker sees the elephant and he's like hey it's Dumbo and when everyone turns to look the elephant is gone and I just love that kind of comedy like there was like no there was really an elephant there but nobody saw it I I just I was I find that funny. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, now Mel and Mo show up, of course, and the Deedles get found out and the amnesia thing saves them from like being arrested, but they get kicked out of the park. And this couldn't be worse because the Deedles figured out Slater's plot, but didn't have time to tell anyone before Mel and Mo showed up. And now nobody believes anything they say. Oh no. However, will the Deedles save the day? <laughs> so the Deedles decide they have to save the park, obviously for Captain Pine and Lieutenant Jesse. and with the help of the prairie dogs and pd the p-dog they uh which is one p-dog that has like i think they drew like a black like target mark around his eye to give him like a spot uh, eye thing going on um so they call him P. dog uh they they defeat the henchman and slater and though if robert england had his claws he'd have made prairie hot dog out, out of those little dudes uh but sadly he was just a bumbling bumpkin and together the deedles wreck his pipeline and send the water back to old faithful saving the day and saving the park uh the last scene is hilarious too because even though they fix the geyser they somehow managed to create a giant lake on the property that Slater had purchased. And I'm talking like Lake Superior, like it's almost like a tiny ocean with its own waves and everything. And they bought it using Deedle Incorporated and they brought the Hawaii surf, you know, like culture and all the friends down and created a beach resort in Wyoming, making their dad proud of them. And then like Baywatch, they all run toward the water and they all go surfing together. And it's all like, ah, and they have like like they're like surf music playing about being on the beach it was really funny it's a really cute family-friendly movie uh with some really good acting really good actors too and and it's just a it's a cute disney movie from 1998 and it's always been one of my favorites like i said my brother always loved it and it, it took me a while to be able to find it it's actually one of my most proud moments we'll talk a little bit about shady nerd stuff that you can do on the internet and i couldn't find this movie streaming i couldn't find it to rent uh, I, I honestly couldn't find it anywhere there are some movies that you literally can't find anywhere short of buying it on ebay for an obscene amount of money uh, for a vhs or a dvd that you're not even guaranteed to is going to work and what i did was i found it on a streaming website not a you know just a free streaming website that you find on the internet when you type in a movie and play and type like free streaming online and i drilled down into the html when you like right click inspect element and i was able to find the link to the movie that whomever this person had put it online uh they didn't they didn't cover up that link and i was able to open the file and just right click download and i downloaded it right to my computer and now i have a copy of this movie on my plex server but we're not supposed to say that um so uh now that's how i'm able to watch it so let's move on from the plot and all the crazy stuff that happened in the movie and talk about the production and all that all that fun stuff now the production budget for meet the deedles was estimated to be around twenty four million dollars this included the cost of filming on locations special effects and uh, all these other things and salaries stuff like that but remember that marketing budget is never included in this and in today's hollywood of 2023 marketing sometimes costs as much as half the budget Uh, right now the barbie movie just came out and there are rumors that they spent more on marketing than they did the movie which would be absolutely crazy if that didn't pay off which is most certainly did as it's continued Continuing to pay off as I speak. Uh, just this past Tuesday, the 7 p.m. showing at the cineplex near me was sold out Uh, on that at that one cineplex on that one Tuesday over a 1000 people saw the Barbie movie. So that is that is good marketing. Uh, And Disney had high hopes for this film, uh, aiming to tap into the success of similar family comedies that had performed well at the box office around that time. Uh, So it's safe to say they probably spent at least 20% of the total budget, which would be like another $6 million, bringing the budget up to you know, $30 million 1998 money, which is a decent amount of uh, a change right there. And uh, upon its release in March uh, 1998, Meet the Deedles absolutely bombed. The Deedles struggled to make a significant impact at the box office and faced tough competition from other releases like Small Soldiers, Blade, Deep Impact, and Dr. Doolittle. So, despite its quirky its quirky premise and popularity of Paul Walker, uh, it just failed to attract a large audience. And once the box office closed, it was clear that Meet the Deedles was destined for the bargain bin at your local video store having made a meager 4.4 million dollars which by this nerd's estimate is less than what they spent on the marketing that's gotta be rough And speaking of rough, let's talk about the critical reception. Meet the Deedles received a geyser of bad reviews. Critics lamented it for being ridiculous, dumb, simply awful, etc. Currently, the movie boasts a 10% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a marginally more favorable score among audiences at 38%, which makes sense as the film's target audience, younger viewers and families seem to enjoy the quirky humor and adventure elements that More critics uh, did not enjoy it at all. Uh, And although Meet the Deedles did not fare well with critics or the box office it gained a decent small cult following over the years with fans you know appreciating its offbeat humor and of course paul walker's endearing performance now despite that lackluster box office performance the film actually found success in the home entertainment market and the television broadcasts which makes sense because i'm definitely sure i had the vhs and you know at some point in the early 2000s they probably released a dvd and we I'm, all of course, my brother would have had that with some sort of special features on it, or deleted scenes, or something. Um, and in retrospect, Meet the deedles remains an entertaining, nostalgic piece of '90s cinema for those who appreciate that brand of silly comedy and Paul Walker's early work, which is, let's face it, probably what brings most people to it. Because if you're looking at his imdp page and you see the movie and you're like, "What? He was in a Disney movie? I've never seen this," and then you watch it and think, "Oh my God, this is..." Terrible, And then you go and bring down that 38% even more because you review it negatively on I, on Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb. So please rate fairly. Uh, like, um, you know, while it, yeah, it might not have reached uh, the commercial heights Disney had hoped for, the movie has managed to carve out its place in the hearts of some viewers like myself who fondly remember all that quirky humor and adventurous spirit. And I love a good adventure comedy. Um, if I had to give this movie an honest review. Uh, Taking off my rose-tinted glasses, it would probably be a two-star movie, at best. There are some really great thespians, and young Paul Walker brimming with talent is a pleasure to watch on scene. Uh, but that said it doesn't it's not that much you know that the writing is is a bit uh, cheesy and and it's it's a kids movie through and through uh, but that said those rose tinted glasses are permanently fixed to my face at this point and I have so much love for Meet the Deedles the fart jokes the slapstick comedy Petey the P-Dog the random circus animals all of it they make for a great kids movie and that actually stands up pretty well 25 years later so I give it three stars four Four stars for posterity and 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 you know uh, honoring Paul Walker. Uh, actually, my favorite scene I didn't mention. I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, Mel and Mo had mentioned on those genderless, photoless, sparsely filled out law enforcement applications that apparently they only ate food from the earth. So they included this like entire letter to them about their food preferences, but didn't include any actual like identifiers. Um, and Lieutenant Jesse um like they were being they were being all nice and gave them like a food platter of all like grubs and bugs and all of this stuff and so at one point uh she wants phil um to teach her how to survive in the wilderness and they're gonna go on a date and he's so excited because that was why he wanted to stay at the camp get to know jesse and uh he wants to eat as she she wants to eat as he did you know the bugs the grubs the the twigs the figs i'm trying to rhyme again uh phil having never eaten bugs or actually done any foraging um got creative and bought some gummy worms which I love this is a funny idea and he pretends to find them behind a rock and with a light dusting of some real looking movie prop dust and dirt um he feeds Jessie the gummy worms and thankfully she's an intelligent woman and realizes that this is a candy uh which prompts her to you know think he's done this to spare her feelings you know she can't eat bugs and and thus she turns over a rock grabs a handful of dirt and some again some convincing movie prop worm And they begin to eat the worms and, you know, they're chewing them all up and the dirt's all over their face and they end up grabbing the same long worm. And this leads to uh, a lady in the tramp style kiss. And I know it's fake, but oh my god, this is disgusting. The dirt and the worms and uh, um, if the future of the world is bugs for dinner, just kill me now. Uh, It was it was it was a funny scene and I love the riffs on other Disney properties and changing the spaghetti for worms. It was exactly the gross out humor uh, that this movie was going for. And it's exactly one of those scenes I was talking about previously in the Osmosis Jones review that when I was a kid and when I saw this back in the day, I probably thought the worm eating was rad. I'd have been telling everybody about that scene. I can I can hear my six year old self in my head saying it too, and and at the end they eat the worms and then and then they kissed and 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 now i hold my hand up in front of my eyes in front of the tv and go ew and wait until it's over before taking my hand down yet i can still watch some gory horror movie with captivated attention yet a handful of fake bugs and i'm all icked out uh it's funny and it's strange how that how that works and uh, at the end of the day it was it was a great movie honestly uh three four stars three and a half stars let's call it three and a half of stars. I think the movie poster I made had three stars on it, so um, but it, I, I love this movie. A shout out to my big brother uh, for you know introducing me to this movie and relentlessly playing it on repeat until it was beaten into my brain and so that I can think about it all the time. And just it was, yeah, it's a funny movie, and uh, th- that was it. Uh, that's all I could say about this movie. And so, on that note, uh, my fellow nerds, that concludes another thrilling episode of the Nerd Review. This has been the Nerd Review of of meet the deedles i hope you enjoyed diving deep into the realms of geekdom today before i go don't forget to subscribe to the podcast available on amazon music spotify and most recently iHeartRadio. you can also find me the nerd on twitter or i guess that's called x now uh, however, saying you can find me on X seems like it can be misconstrued. So I will keep saying Twitter. You can find The Nerd on Twitter at The Nerd underscore review on Instagram at The nerd underscore podcast. And of course, at The You can leave a comment, a review, drop a like, hit that subscribe button, leave a recommendation or send a request for The Nerd Review. Always looking for more movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books and your feedback means the world to me and helps continue bringing you the best of all things nerdy so stay tuned for more exciting episodes where we'll dissect the new and the old and everything that fuels our inner nerdom until next time keep embracing your passions exploring new worlds and as always stay nerdy without further ado this is the nerd signing off